I have a few notes for moving forward. If you do not want to hear them, this episode is not for you. Like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is November the 8th, and as of today, we have 50,395,239 worldwide cases of COVID-19, with 1,258,235 deaths. And I got a great show for you this week. It's great for a number of reasons, but as I said at the cold open... Most people are not going to want to listen to this. Now, most people on any political side are not going to want to listen to this. But specifically, if you're a massive Trump fan, you're not going to want to listen to this episode. I understand. I hear you. Tune into another episode if you don't want to listen to it. But I would suggest you stick in and just stick it out. Because this isn't all Trump bashing. This isn't all bashing you as a Trump voter. This is actually speaking to things that I think the majority of all Satanists would probably agree with. And so I want to start there. I want to start with the current political situation in um, The Devil's Advocate, in fact. We're going to be talking about Satanism isn't political, but Satanists can be. In The Infernal Informant, Biden's 2020 election win over Trump is a step one, but lame ducks can do damage. We're going to talk about historical lame ducks through this uh, article. And I'm going to close with a little bit of fun, The Queen's Gambit. This is a Netflix series that I want to talk about because I loved it. It was good. <laughs> now, first and foremost, peanut butter toast. How you doing, man? Gina, thanks so much for joining live. Cameron, my man in Amsterdam. How you doing, man? Uh, Joaquin, how you doing? Garyan, what's up? Zachary. Thanks for joining so early. Again, I know this is early. If you don't want to wake up and listen to some random white dude talking politics, I don't blame you. <laughs> I really don't. So if you can sit through it, awesome. If you can't, eh, I don't, it, it's all good. It's all good. I want to do this early because I have a day that I want to participate in. So this is when it was most convenient for me. And uh, so I'm doing it. Hey, Lady Marie. Thanks for joining live. Ashworth, good to see you, man. Uh, I'm good. I'm good, peanut butter toast. Thank you. All right. So um, I want to start with the statement that any time I have ever said that Trump is a loser or Trump is a failure, inevitably someone that is on Team Trump or Cult Trump, I do differentiate between the two ideas, um, comes back and says, well, hey, how can he be a loser when he's uh, when he won the last election? I want to bring up just a couple thoughts on that, because I would argue Trump didn't win the last election. He default got into office. And I want to I want to frame it around this concept. So sit tight for me with me just for one second. 
Donald Trump won in 2016 because people didn't show up to vote. And even then, he lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton. In 2020, Donald Trump lost because people did show up to vote. And he still lost the popular election, uh, the popular vote. So no matter how you frame it, the only reason why Donald Trump ever got an opportunity to be president wasn't because the majority of Americans or even a small minority of Americans thought he had good ideas or because he was successful in the uh, personal business world, which he wasn't, if you've ever looked at anything behind him. The sad truth of it is the American apathy in voting is the reason why he got in. By the same logic, Ronald McDonald, the Hamburglar, Griff, Grummus, Grummus, Griffith, I don't know, whatever other McDonald's character you want to pull out of your, your hat, who would have run against Hillary Clinton would have won. It has nothing to do with Trump. So we can sit here and pretend like he has a, a, a loyal backing in the American public but the fact is, those who voted, which was 60% of the voting electorate, that's right, 40% of all eligible voters in 2016 sat out that election. So it only left 60%, and those who actually did vote didn't want Hillary to win more than they wanted Trump to win. And that's why in those battleground states... He was able to eke out the Electoral College victory. That was the only reason why. Now, you can argue that until your face turns blue. You can pound your fists. You can shout MAGA. You can cry for uh, liberal tears, which is an ironic idea in and of itself. But the fact is, Donald Trump is a fucking loser who eked out a presidential run, tanked the office, tanked America in the process, which is why the vast majority of eligible voters came out in droves and voted against him. Not for Biden, but against Trump. That is why he failed. That is why he will always be a failure. The majority of Americans have never wanted Trump. Trump team and Trump cult, they are a minority. So no matter what blustering and bombastic statements the media makes look at the fucking data people that's the truth now if democrats just got off their fucking asses and actually listened to the working people of this country then they would have done a whole lot better and they wouldn't have eked by a victory and even though i say eked by the truth is donald trump lost the popular vote by three million in 2016 he lost it by 5 million in this election. <laughs> no one likes this fucking loser. And those who do weren't voting for him as, as much as they were voting against liberal ideas that he was spreading lies about. Um, America really needs to switch to a multi-party system to enforce coalitions. The two-party system is not representative of the citizens of America appropriately, says Zachary. I agree. But they formulated and cemented a two-party system because Americans are stupid. I mean, it's straight up in the Federalist Papers. They didn't want more choices because people get confused. <laughs> so they wanted to make it easy for Americans because Americans don't research. All you got to do is look in social media and you see how stupid Americans are. 
you've been observing this spectacle from the tiny country in Europe, but you sleep better now. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Okay, so that's not all we need to consider. Not only is Trump a loser, yeah, everyone knew that except for Team Trump and Cult Trump, right? But Biden is not your savior. This is a reality that we have to face, people. If you did not want Trump to have four more years, congratulations. Biden is not a savior. Biden will bring normalcy to the country. He definitely will. But his past is filled with incarcerations, uh, with making more war, with uh, less government protections. He even wanted to overtly remove Social Security. So let's not pretend that this guy in office is some sort of great blue hope, because he is not, which is why it's important to have an educated electorate and an active electorate. So Biden's a loser. Trump is not your hero. Let's address the other huge political issue in the room. Why there is a team Trump. Cult Trump will always be there, but team Trump is only there for specific reasons. And here's one big one. All things are not equal. We need to stop pretending that all things are equal. Um, we need to stop accepting this silencing of speech that you don't agree with or canceling of people who engage in activities that you do not agree with. If it is illegal activity, let the law deal with it. If it is your personal feelings, it's not your fucking choice. No one gives a fuck about your personal feelings. Stop. We have to stop as a culture. And if you're perpetuating this behavior, you need to stop as well. We have to stop this culture of policing other people's thoughts, behaviors, and speech. That's what we have laws for. Not you. Not your opinion. Not your feelings. And we're going to hear a lot about Trump voter feelings in the next months to come. And they don't matter either. Just as liberal feelings did not matter in 2016 election. Because it's about action, what you can and will do, not about what you feel. <laughs> so we need to stop with the feeling bullshit. Stop with political correctness. Stop with canceling people that you disagree with. And just face reality. You are surrounded by a lot of other human beings on a rock hurtling through space. If you want to get along with those other people, mind your fucking business. It's that simple. Um, I want to go back to the idea of all things not being equal. Because we're seeing right now this reaction. Um, uh, President-elect Biden gave a speech last night that was about unity. About bringing together America. And immediately there were Republican pundits who came out and said, hey... How come you're saying unity now, which is all convenient, but you didn't give any unity when Trump was in office? Stop with your straw man argument bullshit, you fake fucking liars. Republicans never wanted unity. They want to dominate. They want to squash. They never tried to get along. They never pretended to have anyone's vested interest except for their own, ever. So let's stop pretending that you're upset that the left, whom you did nothing but demagogue and shit on, didn't actually prepare to have unity. And not only that, your fucking president, Donald Trump, fomented division. 
in the country from his election uh, speech from the very beginning. So you can't pretend like the Republican Party was trying to have unity, and now that the Democrat Party is trying to have unity, they're not going to do it because you didn't, you didn't join us. You fomented hate, dissent, the separation, the splitting of the country. You overtly said that you would not support any uh, voters or states that did not support you in the election. You don't get a choice anymore. You don't get a voice anymore. You don't get to pretend like you wanted unity ever. If you want to say, you need to act like you want to have a say and not divide this country. You're pathetic fucking losers. It's bully mentality and it's pathetic because as soon as you fucking stand up to the bully, as you should always do, you see how weak they actually are. So Team Trump, Cult Trump, you're weak. We all see it. We all know it. When there's a majority of people who stand up and face your bully dumb asses, you see how weak you actually are. And it terrifies you. You're a minority. You're a minority. I gotta say, I gotta be honest though, I, I get a lot of kickback from people when I say stuff like this. I get a lot of kickback because they're like, um, how can you say stuff like this? Um, it sounds just like TST, or it sounds just like other political activists. And I just wanna, I wanna take a step back just for a second. And I have to tell you guys, I'm incredibly fucking tired of Satanists who argue that other Satanists sharing their individual political ideas on an individual basis, calling out for individuals to act in their own self-interest are somehow bad. But when it's ever you fomenting your discord or fomenting your division or fomenting your lies, sharing your lies, then it's an okay position to be in. Then it's okay because you got your bad guy badge on. Ooh, look at me. I'm scary. I'm divisive. I say things that make people worried and afraid. Give me a break. You're pathetic. When I left social media, there were two pathetic Facebook groups that were personifications of this idea. You had the American Satanist, and you had the Satanic American. Two Facebook groups that had two different sides of a political spectrum. One was conservative, one was liberal, and they just argued about each other. I think one was the result of the other, and I have no idea if either of them are still around or not. They never let you know who was behind them. They just create, cultivated this herd conformity of like minds. Very antithetical to Satanism, by the way, behind no actual individuals, but a group, a group heard think. That is the problem. Individuals like me or anyone else speaking out politically is not the problem. It's satanic groups, satanic groups that are collecting herds and hiding behind 
nomenclatures like the American Satanists or the Satanic American or the Satanic Temple that are then creating political hive minds. Those are the fucking problems. Individuals are free to do whatever the fuck they want. And I'm going to get into that in The Devil's Advocate. I'm just so sick and tired of the hypocrisy amongst Satanists. When it's good for you, well then, yeah, it's just an individual Satanist sharing their ideas. When it's against your personal ideas, how can you dare politicize Satanism? Give me a break. Mop up your tears. Give me a fucking break, you pathetic losers. I get so much of this stuff. So much. Uh, let's see. Death to stupidity. If you're participating in politics, then you should know where you stand politically and represent yourself. I agree. People are emotionally estranged from one another. They seem to forget that we're all human and our political leanings are, ideally, representations of our backgrounds and desires. Yeah, 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 Cameron, you're triggered. <laughs> um, and I do lump together groups like TST, uh, TSM, and TAS. Uh, or TSA and TAS, sorry. Because th they're not. They're not strong enough to stand on their own two feet and have a bold political idea. They're hiding. And they're creating a community. Communal behavior is antithetical to Satanism. Satanism is about the, the individual. And that's it. So you can act all tough and, uh, you know, radical behind your group nomenclature, but you're too terrified to stand on your own two feet in front where everyone can fucking see you. Yeah, real tough. Um, that being said, <laughs> satanic groups are pathetic because they're not really satanic. Uh, okay. Yeah, keyboard warriors, man. They're, they're just fucking, ugh. It's pathetic. And they always share other people's messages. But whenever they're sharing their own thoughts, it's always behind the anonymity of a nomenclature, not an individual. Very satanic. Very bold people. And here's the other thing. I don't mind if you disagree with me. Put it, I had someone that, that I guess was trying to do a smackdown on my comment on a video yes, that I posted yesterday that I, I didn't put uh, for the members only uh, soon enough. And they got in there uh, and they said something, and then they quickly deleted it. Come on. See, I see those messages still, because they're, they're emailed to me. So I know exactly who it was and what you said. Just be man enough to stand behind what it is. What, why say it if you're not man enough to let it sit out there for everyone else to see? <sighs> be an adult, people, honestly. All right, that being said, let's dive into the devil's advocate. throw up an image here. I love this image, by the way. Okay, Satanism isn't political. Satanists can be. I get a lot of back uh, pushback on stuff like this because I do speak out about politics because 
I'll get into it. I'll get into it. Uh, a little bit of background. The Church of Satan clearly outlines its own political policy. Uh, Megas Gilmore, in the uh, politics policy essay, clearly states individuals are free to support political candidates and movements whose goals reflect their own practical needs and desires. So the religion of Satanism and the act of politics are completely separate. You can do whatever you want politically and still be a Satanist. Everyone must understand that. It doesn't matter where you fall in the political spectrum. You can do it. Uh, the closest political message Satanism has would be Anton LaVey's Pentagonal Revisionism, where he outlines a five-point program that is necessary, quote, necessary for satanic change to take place. This is also on the Church of Satan's website. It includes stratification, strict taxation of all churches, no tolerance for religious beliefs secularized and incorporated into law, and order issues, development and production of artificial human companions, and the opportunity for anyone to live with the total environment of his or her choice with mandatory adherence to the aesthetic and behavioral standards of the same. Now, the only way you can force these changes to happen is through political machinations, right? That's the only way. Otherwise, you're just hoping that they will occur naturally. That's not a very satanic uh, position to take when Satanism deals specifically with lesser magic, and that is exerting your will out on into the world itself, right? But I do want to clarify that by something that Magister Barton puts out there. And she says, quote, Every Satanist is free to support through action any or none of the points of pentagonal revisionism. We do not collectively lobby for our ideals. We work in the background affecting change when and where we can. We do not collectively lobby. That's why I have a problem with those groups. Those group think uh, uh, Facebook pages and stuff like that. Um, so when I share my political ideas, I'm not doing so to form herd conformity in action, but rather to inspire individual thinking and action. I'm telling you where I stand, why I stand where I stand, and what I do in order to reinforce that. What is more satanic than that? You're not just shitting on other people. You're standing up and saying... This is where I see the world should be going. These are the actions, the real world actions I'm going to take in order to see my will be done. That is lesser magic. That is Satanism in action. Um, I want Satanists to consider the reality behind their political leanings and choices, not to simply adopt a party and follow lockstep in line with it. The truth is, is most people just listen to the talking points and most talking points are lies. So research, look behind those talking points. We're still going to have holidays, people. <laughs> now that uh, Biden is going to be president. No one's taking your guns. No one. No one has ever taken your fucking guns. Stop freaking out over that. God damn, if there's one issue that people will lose their shit over, it's the threat of Democrats coming to take your guns. No one's taking your guns. Chill. Goddamn losers. Freaking out over one goddamn issue. And so politically, I will always, I always have and I always will, lean on individual liberty. Uh, liberty to be who you truly are, to fuck who you want to fuck, and to say whatever the fuck you want to whomever the fuck you want. And if you actually listen to that, that 
is a both right and left statement. Individual liberty, individual uh, identification, say whatever you want. How can anyone disagree with individual positions of those? It doesn't make sense why you would. Especially as a Satanist. Um, those of us in the U.S. are privileged to have so many protections granted and so many man-made rights gifted to us. We should be exercising them or they can be taken away. That's just the reality of it. We've already given away privacy. What else are we going to give away through inaction? Um, sorry, I'm looking at my notes because I tend to ramble if I don't. Just give me one second here. If those rights are not taken away by the government, like our privacy was, then uh, they're going to be taken away uh, by each other. Political correctness, cancel culture. It's happening. We're the cause of it. We are the problem. Not some president standing on high or some elected leaders acting behind. We're the fucking problem. It's choices that we make every single day. That's the problem. So we need to change the way we engage. We can't let it happen anymore, okay? And again, this is not a right or left issue. This is a universal satanic idea. I want to have autonomy over my life. I am a Satanist. I should not be subject to your thoughts and feelings. You should, because they're yours. I have dominion over myself. And if you extrapolate that simple idea out to other political issues, don't look at teams, but just look at issues, then it's easy to find where you fit in politically. Not party-wise, but over issues, individual issues from local, uh, town, state, city, uh, to federal issues. It's easy to be able to make those choices on an individual basis. And that means that sometimes you're going to be aligning with someone like Trump. And sometimes you're going to be aligning with someone like Biden. Or sometimes you're not going to align with either of them. And that's okay. Just don't believe any lie that anyone perpetuates. Because you can easily research them. Don't be a fucking automaton. Um, there are groups out there which claim to be satanic that also demand herd conformity in action. Satanism as a religion does not. It does not. So when I share my ideas, I do not expect you all to just bow down and think, oh yes, a lone random dude on YouTube said it, so I must obey and do that. No, think for yourselves, disagree with me, argue with me. But have your own educated opinion. I'm going to call a spade to spade on this show. Regardless. I called out Obama when he was in office. And I called out Trump when he was in office. I'll do it for anyone that is in office. No matter where they lie on that political spectrum. Because I am not for a party. I am for individual liberty. I mean, that's really where it stands. And if you don't agree with that, turn the proverbial channel. And if you want to sometimes be challenged, sometimes to be affirmed, sometimes to just hear a white dude yell into a mic, well then continue tuning in. 
because that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, and that's really all I wanted to talk about in this Devil's Advocate. Um, I don't really care what other people say or think or do, uh, but it does give me content. And the, the fact is, is that if you reply to my shows and if you've watched the past you know, months and months worth of shows, you realize that most of the time my shows are a reaction to some form of commentary that I've received. And I think it's great because that engagement gives me content to project to you all uh, who want to hear it. Um, but it also forces me to consider my thoughts, to consider my positions and opinions. And that's something that I think is healthy and we should all do. You can't imagine how things are going where you're from. They're acting the same way. It's totally pathetic, says Chuck. Um, those groups, quotes, don't even know where they've collectively lobbying for. They stole a scary face to satirically push atheist ideologies down the throats of the Judeo-Christian politicians. Ooh, interesting. Americans have no clue of how spoiled we truly are. We have freedoms taken for granted. We create our own problems. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, Vermin Supreme 2024. <laughs> nice, Cameron. Uh, very true, Lady Marie. It's like um, all the ease has made us restless and fed for the need for conflict and chaos just so we can forge order and again feel something was accomplished. Here's here's what, what drives me crazy. Um, really about liberals more than anyone else. They perpetuate in as much as conservatives do. This idea of fearing the other side, right? There's this liberal fear of the right voters um, or the right base or the Trump clan or cult followers, right? Because they have guns, they have militias. I'm not on the right. I'm a veteran. If you come to my house, I will fight you. I will protect you. Like the... They're not, their side is not the only side that believes in the Second Amendment. We need to stop pretending that a minority of terrified militia members is somehow a threat to our democracy. It's not. They're not. They're banding together because they're terrified. We don't have to be. It's that simple. Stop being afraid. And if you're on the right and you're terrified, so you're banding together with other people, I hate to break it to you, and this is probably going to shatter some worldviews you have. No one's coming for your guns. No one's going to make this country a socialist or communist country. We're not. No one wants to. No one. Democratic socialists don't want a communist and socialist country. They don't. They want programs like Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. That's all they want. So you're terrified over a lie. The sooner you understand that, the more productive you can be in life. And you may realize you don't need to band together with those other dudes in a militia because no one's actually coming after you. That's all made up in your head, man. <laughs> Everyone just needs to calm the fuck down. No one's coming after you. It's all a lie. Everyone seems to be drinking the tea and eating the cake. <laughs> it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, you love uncomfortable conversations about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I hold non-beliefs as sacred as I'm happy to grow out of rotten habits. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's never easy to it's never easy to challenge your ideas, but it's important. My own too. Um, absolutely. I am constantly rethinking my positions and reevaluating them. Um, you know, I, I'm one of those people where I, I love to uh, go down range and fire firearms. I would love to have an AR-14, um, <laughs> AR-15. Um, I would love to have uh, M uh, M4, but the fact is, is I can't, so I'm not going to. I mean, I could have an AR-15. I could, but I choose not to because there's no real reason for me to need it. I'll have a shotgun. I'll have rifles. I'll have handguns. But I don't need a semi-automatic or automatic rifle. I don't. And everyone is everyone who is uh, like stark against me for whatever reason is going to latch on to that misspeak, <laughs> as they always do. It's awesome. All right, let's do a little infernal informant, shall we? up here we got some stuff to talk about this is what's happening next people next biden's 2020 election win over trump is step one but lame ducks can do damage this is from nbcnews.com the last time an incumbent president was defeated was 28 years ago with arkansas governor bill clinton beat president george hw bush but changes in party control are far more common including clinton's handover to george w bush in early 2001 when Bush staffers complained about acts of vandalism in the wet swing and missing W keys on their keyboards. Barack Obama's handover of power to Donald Trump is one more dramatic recent example. No matter who is taking over the presidency, the so-called lame duck period between the election and the inauguration of a new president on January 20th can be difficult, especially in times of national crisis. And before the 20th Amendment ratified in 1933, it lasted for five months. President-elect Biden will take over a country facing myriad challenges, and Trump's lame duck period could be one of the most treacherous in American history. History provides plenty of context. Sitting presidents may be tempted to try to lock in decisions that their successors dislike, like President John Adams' appointing dozens of last-minute judges in early 1801 before Thomas Jefferson became president. Or the last two transition teams may simply find it difficult to cooperate in the handover process. Sometimes, however, what a lame-duck president doesn't do can be just as important and perhaps even more dangerous. Take an example of President James Buchanan, elected in 1856, as the country slid further into sectional disputes. Buchanan ran an administration dedicated largely to preserving Southern priorities. His inaugural address stated that the country should accept the results of the forthcoming Supreme Court decision in Dred Scott v. Sanford, which, at his best, would eviscerate the Missouri Compromise and declare that blacks could not be citizens in the United States. He favored those trying to bring slavery to Kansas and ignored violence against those preferring that it be a free state. And, most disastrously, he did virtually nothing as the country plunged into civil war. 
After Abraham Lincoln's election victory in November 1860, Buchanan remained passive as the southern states gradually seceded, barely lifting a finger to complain or encourage them to remain in the Union. Buchanan even argued that he had no constitutional authority to compel states to stay. Worse yet, he allowed the South to take possession of forts and armaments it would use in the battles to come. As a result of Buchanan's inaction, Lincoln entered office in a terribly perilous situation, with army officers at Fort Sumter, South Carolina, on the verge of starvation. A few months later, Lincoln's attempts to resupply the fort led to the opening shots of the war. Like Buchanan, President Herbert Hoover remained seemingly paralyzed during his lame duck period after his loss to Franklin D. Roosevelt in November 1932. As the country sank deeper into the Great Depression, the banking system was on the verge of complete collapse, with bank failures multiplying by the day. Hoover, in the grip of his ideological objections to federal assistance, refused to intervene. Even as the Federal Reserve begged him to declare a bank holiday, Hoover repeatedly maintained that the economy would begin to recover any moment. The Depression is over, he told the people. Hoover also tried to manipulate Roosevelt into declaring that he would maintain the economic policy status quo upon taking office, including the gold standard and fiscal austerity, as well as the creation of no major public work projects. Hoover blamed the deepening economic crisis on FDR, claiming that Roosevelt's um, uh, profligate spending proposals were rattling the markets and undermining economic confidence. Roosevelt largely ignored Hoover's demands, however, and made his own plans for rapidly acting upon taking office, including a bank holiday imposed by executive order on his third day as president. With the COVID-19 virus still spreading rapidly across the country, Trump's repeated insistence that we are turning the corner is eerily reminiscent of Hoover's asserting that the depression was about to end, and it's entirely possible that Trump will like Hoover, tried to bully the incoming administration into a series of irreversible decisions. Or perhaps, like Buchanan, Trump will simply claim that he doesn't have the authority to impose national mandates on the states and will remain passive in the face of an increasing danger. He could also encourage the rise of violent militias that refuse to accept the outcome of the election by continuing to spread misinformation that being stolen from him. At best, the transition process will undoubtedly be a contentious one, as was the Obama-Trump handover four years ago, especially if Trump continues to falsely claim that Biden's victory is tainted by fraud. This is something I think is important uh, to consider because we always reflect on politics in the now, you know, with our mind, with our, our, our horse visors, uh, flaps turned on. We don't ever look and we are very forgetful of past orthodoxies. We pretend like what is happening now is never happened before. The truth is, is elections have always been contentious, some more than others. And incoming and outgoing presidential relations have not always been great. We are in a period of the lame duck period where uh, Trump's lame duck presidency until January 20 is pretty much open to do whatever it wants, as it has for the past three plus years, right? On coming on four years. But the difference is, he may not see any consequences. I don't know that he ever did, but now there's literally no consequences. He's not going to get reelected. He's not going to stay in office. The Republicans have control over the Senate. He can cause some real damage. This is a real issue. So, 
we, we have to remember that it is not new. It has always been this way. And I would argue actually with the statement that the last turnover was difficult. That's not true. Trump didn't think he was going to win. And so he didn't have a transition team in place at all. And so when it was time to transition, the Obama administration was like, hey, come on, we need to have meetings. We need to discuss things. Trump didn't have anyone in place to do that. That's what made it difficult. They were more than willing. When George W. Bush handed it over to Obama, it was a good transition. It wasn't like this. So this is abnormal, but we ha can't pretend that all things are equal. Like, oh, well, the last time it happened was just as bad as this time. No, 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 no. All things are not equal. This president was dramatically different than any president we've had in recent memory. And this transition will be much worse than ones we've had in recent memory. And we only have to look at history to know how bad it can get. It is important for those who lost the election to take it on the chin and be adults because our democracy itself can be at stake. And you have to recognize the reality, not your own personal desires, but the reality of election outcomes. All of us adults did it last time, even though it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. Now it's everyone else's turn. Can you be as adult? I hope so. I hope you can. Uh, you read somewhere that history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. Yeah, well, it certainly does rhyme. That's for damn sure. <laughs> AR-14s and 2022s for all. Yeah. <laughs> I, there was... Oh, I wish I knew the exact quote. There was a wonderful line in... Um, uh, Mr. Mom, because he, he doesn't really know anything about firearms. He doesn't know anything about home remodeling or anything. And a guy came in that was his wife's boss and he was trying to impress him. And he was asking him about construction. He was asking him about firearms and he clearly didn't know anything about it. And so he was just like bullshitting. The guy clearly knew he was bullshitting. It was just a really funny interaction, but that's what that reminded me of. Yeah. One thing you notice when you start doing things live, when you start speaking live, because I don't have I have notes. I have like little bullet points and stuff like that. Um, I don't have a script that I read from. Like news articles, I'll take bits of in order to read those as scripts. But my own thoughts, I just have bullet points and then I riff. When you riff live, sometimes you misspeak. That's just the reality of it. And it's something that if you're going to do it, you have to accept that sometimes you're going to say things that end up sounding stupid and you try to correct them live when you do. And sometimes you don't correct them live and then people just sit on it. <laughs> That's the reality of it. So I've accepted that. Um, yeah, this, uh, I, I would urge everyone to just simmer down. This is going to be a difficult transition inherently. And all we as citizens are going to do is make it worse. In the same way that we're making this country worse for each other, we're going to make it worse for the next administration. And what we want to happen, and what you saw when in 2016 was a lot of people coming out and say, we didn't want this president, Trump, but we hope he does a good job. We are hoping he does a good job. And all you have to do is look back on the reality of news articles and uh, public statements to see that that's a true, true thing. E like even Hillary and Obama were saying, we hope he does a good job. We really do. Because we, we want America to do well as a nation to be able to take care of its population. 
right? We want it to be a good representative of the people. And when uh, someone isn't and they get voted out, then you have to allow the next person, give them the benefit of the doubt. I wonder sometimes if this group is going to let them do that. But I hope that we citizens can. Just sit back, let them settle in, and then let's criticize the shit out of them when they make bad decisions, which they will. <laughs> they will. All right, that's it for the Infernal Informant. I was going to do a longer session on that, but eh. Whatever. It'll be fun. You're very glad that he's going to be out of office in January and the fact checkers will have a break finally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not going to be true. Biden and Harris are going to... And Democrats in general, man. We got... we The Democrats have the House. I say we a lot because... I am a progressive. I don't align with corporate Democrats. I have to say politically, I don't. But I am a social progressive for sure. I'm fiscally conservative, but I'm a social progressive. Um, and so it's difficult for me to say anything. But whenever I'm referencing Democrats and I say we, I'm meaning my <laughs> political uh, shifting views, not the party. Um, and so... People like Pelosi are just corporatists and they don't listen to the people and they lie and they cheat and they steal just like everyone else. And the problem is they're supposed to be serving us. And so we have to hold them to a higher standard. It's incumbent upon us to do that. And that's why fact checkers are so important. We can't pretend like one side doesn't lie when they do. It's true. It's just a fact. Um, okay, let's do a little uh, creature feature. Let me throw up an image for this because it's a good one. I was scrolling around Netflix one day uh, with my wife one evening and we were trying to figure out something to watch and I saw that face pop up on the screen and it looked familiar but I didn't make the connection in the same way that when Cameron and I went to go watch the latest X-Men film I didn't make the connection. Um, I was like wow that's a very interesting face and I don't I'm not I'm not good at chess. I am not <laughs> at all good at chess. I've played it from time to time. I'm just not very good at it. Um, but I love the idea of it. I love the idea of strategy behind it. I just, I've never taken the time to learn it. And so that's why I'm just not very good. That being said, that's what interests me in it. Because I, I have a uh, an attraction to, well, to the person's face, of course, but also the idea of chess. And so I wanted to find out what was more. Uh, what it was about more and so I you know watched the first episode. I didn't really do any research on it Gave it a shot basically. So let me explain the background of this This was created by Scott Frank and Alan Scott and released on Netflix in October 23rd 2020 It's an America drama television miniseries based on Walter Tevis's 1983 novel of the same name and here's the logline a fictional story that follows the life of an orphan chess prodigy, Beth Harmon, during her quest to become the world's greatest chess player while struggling with emotional issues and drug and alcohol dependency. The story begins in mid-1950s and proceeds into the 1960s. 
It stars Anna Taylor-Joy and uh, as the adult version of uh, Beth Harmon. Uh, Isla Johnston was the young version of Beth, and Annabeth Kelly was the five-year-old version of Beth. Carlos Rafael Rivera, uh, Rivera composed the series score, which is fantastic. A former world chess champions Gary Kasparov and chess coach Bruce Pandolfini acted as consultants, so they tried to make it as accurate as possible. It got 8.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 100% fresh critic score, and 97% audience score in Rotten Tomatoes. And this show completely excels, in my opinion, in three different areas. In writing, in aesthetics, and in performances. Um, and at its core, yeah, Zachary, that's, that's where I, that's what I eventually connected her with but it took me like four episodes of the i think it's eight episode series to to make the connection which i'm clearly slow <laughs> but yeah that's like when i saw it in which i was wildly attracted to her it took me a long time watching that x-men film to connect it to her like after the film and then uh yeah halfway through this series i finally connected with the same actress she does great transformations and that's a credit to her acting I mean, she is really genuinely good, but everyone in this is genuinely really, really good. And it's a period piece in the purest form. You get the sense that these people are in these times. And it's not just because of the dressing and the uh, sets and stuff, though that is really, really good. But the tone of the writing is so beautiful. And so you are immediately sucked into it. And it, it sets off in this wonderful way of sort of jumping through time uh, in her childhood, this sort of inciting moment that would affect her for the rest of her life, uh, how she was treated in um, uh, um, the orphanage, how they used to give kids tranquilizers and got her addicted to tranquilizers. And then later alcohol in life, she was eventually a, a, adopted in this family that really didn't really want her. And like, it, it became a huge whole thing. But as a child, she was introduced to this um, janitor who was playing chess. She was really good at math. And so she would go down there and see chess as a sort of a math issue until she confronted the janitor and said, will you please teach me? I want to learn this. And he finally relented and started teaching her and realized that she was actually really good. And she would imagine the boards when she would go to sleep because of the drugs. It was easier for her to sort of hallucinate these is what it leads you to believe. Uh, she would imagine the chessboard on her ceiling and just sort of relive each single game that she played and their moves and her moves and try to strategize based on her entire vision of this game every single night and she became obsessive and a savant at chess again this is all fiction but there are people like this out there which is why it's such a believable story and and it, fucking anna taylor joy does such a good job representing a truly flawed brilliant human being and it's it would be easy to make this young lady uh, savant and to sort of you know give her disnify her you know make her the best at everything she never really had to earn anything and there's no real consequences for her but they didn't do that they actually made her a real character she has failures deep failures in life that are her 
fault. Like it, it is her, her her actions and responsibilities that she's failed to live up to that cause these problems. But she fights through it in a very satanic way. She sees the faults in herself and she does the best she can to overcome them. All the while challenging and meeting goals that she sets out for herself. This is a very satanic movie in my opinion and it is brilliant. I think everyone should watch it whether you love chess or you don't even know anything about it, whether you love Anna Taylor-Joy or you don't even know anything about her. This is a great story and it's told brilliantly in this series and I hope everyone gets an opportunity to check it out. Seriously. You're so pumped when you found out that uh, you learned uh, when you were talking to a buddy about the show after you finished it. Oh yeah. 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 No, she's it, it was such a good show. She's so brilliant. All right. Um, wow. I'm a little early. That's all I had. All right. Go team. This is why I don't like doing daily vlogs, by the way, because I feel like I say everything that I want to say on a weekly nine cents in the daily vlogs. <laughs> but I couldn't not say something yesterday. That would have been terrible. Yeah. Five stars. Four banana stickers all the way with Queen's Gambit. It is, it is really great. Um, because then I, you know, I, if I say everything in a daily vlog, then I, I don't really have anything to say here. Or I just repeat what I already said. And I hate repeating myself. So, what are you going to do? Um, I will repeat this, though. Because I, I do think it's important. Just simmer down, everyone. Stop taking your sides and your teams so seriously. Um, we should be focusing on ourselves. We're Satanists. We should be focusing on how we are going to achieve the goals that we set out for ourselves as Satanists. Our real-world accomplishments are what quantify the quality of individuals we are. And it's something that we should be continually struggling and striving for. We should not be focusing all of our energy on other people or other things. And if you use that basic premise to outline the majority of your actions online and offline, I think you're going to end up doing really well for yourself. I know it's not easy in social media because it encourages you to shout out vitriol and, and, and spew uh, venom, but you don't have to. It's a choice that you make. So just don't make that choice. Don't live in fear. Don't believe lies that people tell you. Just don't take things too seriously, yourself included. All right. That's my suggestions for the coming days, months, years, and whatever else. <laughs> I am almost at 10 years of doing this. Almost at 10 years. Just a, a few more months. I don't know if I have anything else to say. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah, Zachary! You got the banana stickers out. Hell yeah. Uh, hey, dog. Good to see you. At the end. <laughs> have a fantastic week, everyone. Focus on yourselves. And until next week, hail Satan.